This is the Game Theory Podcast, Episode 17, Anti-Social, with Brian Fife, Jim Fingal, and Tom Westberg. This is the Game Theory Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Jim. And I'm Tom. This is Episode 17, and we're going to call this one Anti-Social. Is that anti is in brackets? Yeah, the anti is in brackets. It's clever. One of the things that I think we've all reflected upon separately at different times is the reason why we do these online games is really the wonderful interactions that we have with each other and people we meet, friends from far away. But generally, just the people we know because uh, everyone else is unpleasant. The game that Tom and I play the most, which is World of Tanks, has a little chat box in the in the left side every time you play a battle, and it is just a cesspool of despair. I mean, is there also group audio chat? Because my main experience with online games is playing a lot of Halo. I don't know how, how much things have changed since I was, quote-unquote, working from home in <laughs> 2008, but it didn't matter which team you were on. It was a free-for-all regardless of whether or not it was a team game, let's just say. Yeah, well, I I sort of stick by a rule that I learned early and painfully, which is never turn on audio. Right. That, I think, is easy to figure out. As easy as it is for me to ignore the little scrolling window because they fade out pretty quickly. Uh, If they were, I had to listen to them talking and being clever, it would be intolerable. Do you have audio chat that you can only talk to your teammates? Generally, what we do when we're playing is we have a separate Skype session going. People set up Ventrilo servers or you know some other team speak. The systems in-game often aren't so selective that if you just have a subset of friends, you can only talk to them. They're also often not very good technically. Yeah, it's sort of a bolt-on thing. But we're kind of sliding off of the main thing and just getting immediately to the griping. These games are built to encourage interaction, and yet very few developers take a lot of steps to encourage positive interaction. One big exception to that rule are the folks behind uh, League of Legends. And how is that different? Well, what they actually have done since the rollout of the game is put in a bunch of different mechanisms that encourage good player behavior by giving little cookies people can hand to each other and things like that. You advance in the game, you get points in the game for being a decent guy. When I think of online games and I think of talking to people I know playing online games, the the feature of really positive interactions with people that you don't know tends not to be something that people call out as primary thing that that recurs in, in their experience. I mean, people will play WoW, and I blame myself for raising the specter of, of that game. You knew we were going to go there today, yeah. so you're just going to get it out there. When my brother was really hardcore into WoW, I mean, he was playing with a bunch of people that he didn't know, but there was a, he was part of a guild, and so there was some sort of structure there that encouraged people to to be cooperative and, and not just be total assholes to each other, uh, though you know there's some competitiveness there uh, among scarce resources. It, it would be an interesting exercise to name off the games in which it's more good than bad <laughs> in, in your experience. Journey, right? I mean, we, we talked about Journey recently. It, journey, and- but Journey does it by almost making your interactions with other people stylistic. But hey, you got to start somewhere. If we were talking about what game designers can do to get in front of this whole issue, that's certainly one approach that can be embellished. I I think it's beautiful, and I, I treasure it. It's refreshing. But I don't think it's ever going to be able to be the rule of gaming. I think we would discover that paradise would be boring. The objectionable qualities of being in a Halo Deathmatch and 
probably the reason why people get so nasty are, I think, pretty well known. So it's pretty anonymous. There's not a lot of repercussions if, if you're a dick. It's, it's randomized. So you're probably not going to see the same people that you're in, in a game with. And, you know, you have this ability to make sounds appear in, in someone else's screen and trash talk them. Whereas Journey, it shares the anonymous feature. You're, you're playing the game and, and one other person uh, somewhere in the world appears. But there's, so there's no talking. There, there's no linguistic communication. There's no real way to hinder people, which is, was the downfall to uh, Little Big Planet when I was playing that with Krista, where despite our best efforts, we kept jumping and grabbing e- each other in midair and causing the other person to fall down. Journey doesn't have that. There's only really a positive way to interact with someone and, by being near them, which causes their, their scarf to get longer and the scarf being long allows you to do one of the most fun things in the game, just like fly around a lot, be able to to do that uh, much more. In fact, uh, the thing you would normally do to somebody to grief them, which is to dance around them and be in their way, actually assists them. It's actually hard to stay with somebody uh, and essentially partner with them to give them uh, the sort of infinite flying. And if you can do that, you're helping them and not griefing them. You have two choices. You can ignore the other player or you can cooperate with them <laughs> to some extent. That's it. Yeah, in, there's no real overt way to be annoying to the other person. As you said, the, the worst that you could do is ignore them. I guess maybe you could like lead them off a cliff <laughs> or, or something like that. But it's really built into the design of the game the mechanisms to encourage sociability. Whereas for things like a Halo Deathmatch or a lot of these competitive games, they're sort of slanted the other way to start out with. You're going head-to-head with people and features like audio chat were not designed with the intent of uh, encouraging harmonious player interactions <laughs> from the get-go. Yeah, and I, I think you, you do yourself a disservice if you ignore the fact that Journey and Halo Deathmatch, or even World of Tanks, is not a fair comparison because the better example may be like a pickup basketball game. There's this competitive element. Some people take it more seriously than others, and there are going to be potentially some people in the battle or the engagement or whatever it is that are not as aware of the either explicit or implicit rules. Right. That actually gets to something that is generally intrinsic to games, which is that they are a form of competition. And Journey is a way to try to sidestep that for lots of interesting artistic reasons and so forth. But we shouldn't be holding it up as any trend for the future because I don't believe games in general could mimic it. Games are going to be are going to be expressions of competitiveness, whether it's knocking somebody down on a football field or getting to the basket first or getting a headshot. <laughs> Some of those are more aggressive than others, but they're all to get the point. So let's go back to the example of Riot Games, talk about League of Legends. And, you know, the first impression that I had of that game, I think I talked about it on this podcast long ago, was I was playing and my computer crashed or you know, my network went out or something. I just walked away. And I got an email that said, you know, it's not very nice to end a game. 
<laughs> you know, to, to drop drop out on a game. You're letting your teammates down. And by the way, if this keeps happening, we're going to have a little bit of a problem. But that's also like lets you know what sort of players the game expects. <laughs> the whole fundamental aspect of the game is that you need to work together or you're just never going to succeed. It's only three people or five people on a side. You're getting thrown in with random people and you do have to get with the program quickly or you're not going to have fun with and and be a contributor in the game. Just to to counter a bit of Tom's thesis that games are fundamentally competitive, there there's this whole model of games that are are not in the you know artsy journey category like left for dead when you're playing against the zombies you're playing against a level i mean that's a cooperative thing that's built into the design of the game there is this whole other side it's possible to do that but would you play left for dead with a random group i have played left for dead with a random group and i i think what you're saying is a really good example of a mechanic that doesn't necessarily encourage people to be nice but it forces you to be a team player or you will die. There is no option. You will die if you go off on your own. Okay, but this, this gets up to, to something that I, I actually wanted to, to get to. There are, are sort of two things, I think, that beyond competitiveness, which sometimes can lead to people being sort of resentful of the fact that they are, are not, they got beat out for some resource in the game or whatever. The second big thing, and we've already mentioned the anonymity, but we haven't really alluded to the fact that we are stuck in an internet automatic matching system with people of wide age ranges and maturity levels. And so you may well end up with what we'll prototypically call the 14-year-old kid who's out there and he finds anarchy quite appealing. And this is a really safe way for him to express that. And he he's going to go out there and revel in just breaking things. Griefing, messing with his own side. We see it in World of Tanks with people who come up right behind you and do a team kill. You just sit there and you uh, hate the world for the rest of that match because <laughs> you you just got shot and there's, there's now nothing you can do about it. You could report them and so forth. There are mechanisms for that. But there's not going to be anything that comes back and actually you where where you get closure and know the guy got banned. No, and I can I can definitely see the appeal to that. I was I was doing World of Tanks and there were these guys they they had the best tank in the game and the worst tank in the game. Uh a level 10, a level 1. So, it's not like it it's in, unimaginable that they would be together. And yet they the game allows you to get into a group and go into battle. And what what that basically does is the other team starts the match down one man, because the other sh- the other tank literally cannot shoot through the other the, the tanks it's it's opposing. Right, and so and so I I was with them twice, <laughs> two battles in a row. And it was it was I, yes it was infuriating, and yeah you you get my blood pressure up just making me. Uh, Really? And what what happened was the whole team would just melt down. I mean, they would start fighting and calling names, and it was trolling at its finest. And I can see how that would be very satisfying, at least for a little while, for somebody yes. to do. To me, when I I think about this, because I don't play a lot of online games like this anymore, because it's generally unpleasant, and I, <laughs> you know, like playing local games with friends or just single player games now. But the the things that interest me are the sorts of design choices that people make in games that lead to 
these sorts of behaviors or you know in, encourage or just discourage these sorts of behavior because you could imagine a world in which matchmaking wasn't random and people who are reported for for being dicks or flagged as as inappropriate or griefing are more likely to be paired with each other <laughs> valve kind of does that with their anti-cheating thing right where you can be with other people that don't have anti-cheating turned on no big deal right and i i want to make sure that it, I don't come across as as believing World of Tanks is rife with this. We had a couple of of unfortunate experiences and so forth, and so I'm I'm using it as an example. I don't think the game itself is is made unplayable by by it in any sense. And in fact, those people who are doing the level one and level ten uh, pairing, the person who was running the level ten tank was actually risking getting himself banned. I'm assuming it's a him. You'll notice my sexism here. But the the level one tank person could have just created a throwaway account just to do that. And I've I've been shot in the back by somebody in a level two tank who just laughed and said, this is a throwaway account. You know, you can try to get me banned. It's not going to do anything. Aha. It's, it's not like WoW where everybody's paying 15 right. bucks a month. Because it's a free-to-play to game, up. you can get in and you've invested next to nothing in that tank. And so if you got reported and got banned, they're not going to have a way to track it to any of their other tanks. However, in that case where they had the level 10 person, you can't get to level 10 without investing a great deal. And if that person got reported enough and got his, his account banned, that would be painful. That's likely to, at least if they would publicize a, a few a few bannings, that's likely to uh, discourage that sort of one ten pairing a great deal. The shoot in the back, yeah, you're not going to get around that. Well, and but that's a, again, that's another thing. Like real consequences for your actions is something that is missing in a lot of these venues, which, you know, whether or not we want to say it encourages it, it, it certainly enables it. And having real consequences, particularly when you've invested time and money, is one design choice that you could make to discourage it. But then you also have to be extremely careful with how you throw that hammer down because there's nothing more wrong than somebody unjustly being penalized when they've invested thousands of hours in a dumb Right, game. because the reverse of this is the people who grief by reporting. You really don't understand the Machiavellian deviousness of people until you played Eve for a while and you find the way that the experienced players can trick the new players into accidentally opening themselves up to being destroyed and stripped of any material value. Right, and that, that gets up to, to something that I think that any true attempt to perfect mankind through sets of rules we set up around ourselves is doomed to failure. There are always going to be corners that people will find to turn the rules against the game designers and that the people who are looking to do this, the little anarchists, are going to get even greater joy by their cleverness in doing that than they would have if they were just straightforwardly griefing. Yeah, they've got time. Right. They've got time to figure this out. <laughs> Anything separate from that requires human interaction, and that's just too expensive. It's too expensive for a World of Warcraft, let alone a free-to-play game. So one of these things that's been impressed upon me is that all of these games seem to be absolutely rooted in the sort of 1.0 social media kind of thing, where you have a list of friends, and you have a list of enemies, and that's it. And I think the interactions that most of us engage in 
are a lot more complicated than that. You have a good match with somebody. It was fun. You know, you like them. Like, do you put them on your friends list? You know, along with Tom and Jim. I mean, the, <laughs> yeah, or the friends you're yeah. going to stab in the back and then. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just, it seems like there isn't a lot of thought always put into sort of encouraging a gently coalescing group of acquaintances and then friends. You're not best friends with someone that you had a good eBay transaction with, right? But if that person had enough positive transactions, that's a, a sort of reputation that they're able to build up, right? You could imagine a similar sort of thing in even a randomly paired game where you have that that small bit of karma providing an extra data point beyond that, that binary like hate. I would just say I would prefer to play more with this sort of person. I would not prefer to play as much with this sort of person and, and do that sort of general help the matchmaking engine. I do. I truly wish somebody figured out a way to do a, a Google-esque automatic filtering. Uh, you like such and such a person, so you're probably going to like this one too. Not that I need to actually start having an online relationship with that person, but that it should start out with me more open to him or her. I've never heard of a game doing anything like no, that. No, I'm not even far... sure that it would be technically possible, but I'm not certain it wouldn't. When I was thinking about this the other day and thinking about, is there a way to combat this sort of behavior? The the analogy I thought of was that perhaps it's the most useful thing is not to to go on 4chan and try to convince people there to be nice to each other and the rest of the people on the internet. But there are other places on the internet where people have built up communities and are generally positive towards each other where, you know, if trolling exists, it is in the minority and there's also tools built up to to hide it and and discourage it. You know, when when I'm thinking of these design choices that people can make, I'm not necessarily thinking of the perfect solution that can cause us to be in a, a techno utopia, but there certainly are places like, you know, Slashdot uh, was an example I thought of where there there seems to be a a way that people can uh, rate things, and there's a certain amount of karma where things that are are just you know flame or or trolling tends to to disappear. I think even YouTube comments to a, a lesser degree has that where you know people still say pretty objectionable things there, but if they get downrated enough, they they get hidden, and you have to actually press a button to to see it. So wondering about analogs to that in uh, the design of multiplayer online interactions i mean look at everything that, that happened with stack exchange you can get players in mmos and these kinds of persistent games to do anything you want by just putting in into place the right incentive system what they've done with stack exchange which is a, a forum site is they get people to apply tags to posts to clean up the question, categorize, help people, enforce the rule, everything. And they're all doing it for extra points in their their status. The people with status get the ability to vote things up and vote things down and, and I'd point influence out the site more. Stack exchange status uh, is considerably different from where you are on, on a ranking board in a game. First of all, your, your first motivation by being on stack exchange is to give or get Tactical, generally, information and... Well, but my motivation in World of Warcraft is to get a flying friggin' pony. Yes. And if, and if by, by flagging the people that use profanity or make racial slurs helps that, then I'll do it. Maybe, except that 
within a game where you know that you're there to play a game, people will be looking to try to find the puppet strings on you. And when they see them, the whole community or, or a large portion of it, enough of it might decide to rebel against it and just do everything they can to go absolutely opposite the game designer's intention just because they saw those strings and they've got to show that they are unique little snowflakes. Well, one of the things that I wonder is, does each online community have a different personality or is it more or less uniform across these games? And one of the things that I've noticed in World of Tanks recently is all this Obama stuff. A lot of people, uh, after the most recent tragedy, were talking about how they were on the firing range shooting their semi-automatic weapons. Maybe it's a military thing. Uh, I don't know. But what, what, where do these people come from and why are they talking about this stuff? I don't care. We need data points of uh, games uh, that we've played online that don't involve shooting things. And I think Journey's the only one. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, Star Wars Galaxies or something like, what is the equivalent of Baron's Chad in that game right now? I, I don't know. So this, this brings up probably my most cynical get-off-my-lawn feeling about the social interaction in games, which is the internet really breaks down class barriers. And we think of ourselves in the United States as not really having classes and class barriers, but they're there. We just don't want to acknowledge they exist. If we're college graduates, the chances are most of our friends are as well. We're not trying to profile. That's just the pool of people we draw our acquaintances from. My, my brother used to say to me, 100 IQ is average. And in your social circles, you really have little opportunity to interact with the folks who are well below average. He, he was a, a prosecutor, and it turns out a lot of the criminals aren't very bright, or at least the criminals who get caught are, are not very bright. And those are the people he'd often be interacting with. And he was trying to get across to me that I just don't even know that that half of humanity exists. Well, that half of humanity does exist, and we are interacting with them day by day when we play in these anonymous games. I'm not saying it's a bad thing or that we should try to exclude anybody outside our social strata, but I am suggesting that that's a, a part of just the wide variety of people and how they reason or how they get angry quickly or resentful that you don't necessarily see in your day-to-day -day interactions with folks, but you would if you lived in another place and had a different job. That's a good point, and thank you for making me feel like an elitist prick. <laughs> well, I, I think we all are, so I just saw. <laughs> well, I'm, and I don't know if it's the sad part of it, but the games like Journey, which are more arty games, certainly appeal to a different crowd of people, right? The same people who are playing World of Tanks aren't, aren't playing Journey. Or, or Call, of, Call of Duty and World of Tanks are likely... I'm not, gonna, I, I'm, I'm not trying to pull this in, in with any IQ test thing, but they're definitely more likely to have the gun range crowd than Journey. No, no, without a doubt. The question is, even in WoW, right? Like, we knew that it was a diverse mix you go onto an RP server and I think you have the same diverse mix and you have the same problems. There's just no way for a community to segment itself effectively. And maybe that's not a good thing, you know. Which is not uh, a good thing. I'm not sure about your tense. 
we, we probably are going to reflexively say, oh, of course, I don't want to be segmented off from people who are not like me. I spent the first 15 minutes talking about how I do want that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, but then we instantly have to come back and say, but what I really mean is I favor diversity in every form. We favor diversity in every form, but we wish people would stop sucking. <laughs> right. In such diverse ways. <laughs> I, I, li I like diverse people from diverse backgrounds that all agree with yeah. me. That's all I want to see. For us, it's a little bit academic, whereas for a woman playing one of these games, it's, it's a much more real thing, right? Where it's not just a question of wanting diversity. It's a question of not wanting to be harassed and threatened and be actively the target of you know, 99% of these interactions, though you still want to play the game. Right. I agree with that entirely. I, I think that there are plenty of patterns of abuse between groups of people that we don't have to be tolerant of in our, our sarcastic uh, way of, of saying tolerance in all things. Right. And, and, that, and that's particularly when I'm thinking about the design choices to encourage uh, encourage people to get along or at least discourage harassment. There's a whole bunch of these websites out there run by women gamers like Fat, Ugly, or Slutty or Not in the Kitchen Anymore where people post the sorts of messages that they get and the uh, audio recordings. You know, As soon as you hear uh, female voices is on the chat, people immediately go into harassment mode. So it's almost an accessibility thing where that whole group of people just doesn't feel comfortable playing the game or it becomes like it has to be a political statement to play the game. Yeah, I just want to be a gamer. I don't want to be a female gamer. Yeah. You know, I struggle with this in one particular way and I don't want to be the guy that gets offended on behalf of other people, but there's a strong precedent of using terms that refer to sexual abuse in, in World of Tanks casually where people are saying, oh, that tank totally raped me or blah, 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 blah. I know that it's not constructive to try to make that a teachable moment when somebody's saying that. I used to react when people were, oh, that's so gay in, in World of Warcraft, talking with my friends and stuff, and they're saying they're not even trying to make a, a slur. That's just they don't have a very good vocabulary is really what, what's going on there. They don't have very many go-to terms, and that happens to be one of them. At, at the same time, I mean, I've, I'm uncomfortable with the idea of waving your hands and, and saying that, you know, it's, it's sort of like... We can't really change anyone. Like it's not really our responsibility to to call people out because one could argue that as men playing games, it's more of a strong statement for us to come out and call out those things. You know, it doesn't have to be necessarily like you're a bad person sort of way. But I guess the more people call those things out, the less it will be seen as a culture of that's just the norm and no one's bothered by it. I understand that. And that's why I sort of say I struggle with it. You also don't, you don't want to sound like a prick. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, and also I think my near, my knee jerk way to respond to those things is certain to not invoke a, oh yes, I didn't realize that I was wrong. And I, I, I will address that and change my ways. Yeah. That is not a likely response. Tom has seen me get past my limit and start poking at people in my special way. What, what is your special way? Passive aggressive. Um, is it, is it though? No, I was just snarky. <laughs> 
I'm basically doing uh, sidebar comments to my friends in public. It's, it sounds stupid when I say it because it is stupid and juvenile. What, what are the options, right? There's like calling people out. There's effectively, it sounds like you're doing public shaming, which is yeah. what a lot of the websites out there are that, that post these things as a, as a way to, to you know, call people out by name and, and publicize that. Both of those things are outside of the mechanics of the games. And I think that is maybe one problem for why we don't really feel like they're that effective because i mean the mechanic the game gives me is to ignore them or, or report or report them the thing is when i ignore somebody they don't know it and and it doesn't affect their ability to enjoy the game in in subtle or meaningful ways right. it would be nice if there was you know just some sort of gradual dragging down that happened when that took place the problem there is that you're this is now about your your satisfaction that they have been schooled. Well, no, that, that's it's not it. That's not it. What it is is I want to play a game and not have political rhetorical arguments take place and not have people talk about sexual abuse when I'm playing a computer game. Right. I don't want to see that. In many cases, though, I think these people don't even have a sense that they're saying no, anything they don't close know what they're to saying. controversial. No, uh, they don't they, know what they're saying. They're, we were yeah. talking about our social circles. They're in their high school football team or, or their whatever, their group, that's the way they talk. It's what you say when you're, you're trash-talking people. And this is a situation for doing that sort of thing, and so you keep it up. I'm not trying to defend them specifically. I'm trying to, to point out that in many cases, your criticism may not, not just be completely out of the blue to, to folks, but may end up actually getting really resentful of you for introducing your politics. They didn't even yeah. think they were saying anything political. I'm sure a lot of the response to the feminist frequency, the tropes against women in video games, the extreme reaction against that is the reaction that people often get, which is basically, this is threatening something that I like, or it's, it sounds like you're you're basically bashing my image of myself or saying that I'm doing something wrong. And so my immediate reaction to, to that is to be defensive against that and be aggressive against you. Yeah. I mean, the, the important thing I think that someone might say is, you know, you're talking about rapes. You don't, you don't say like you're a misogynist prick. What you say is, you know, I don't think that's a very good word to use here. What's the context for really getting that across? And what's the most effective way to do that? I mean, I've, I've thought about a lot of potential ways to address that, but I, I don't know that I've found one that I think will be successful in the long term. The difficulty here is a lot of the things that we're talking about, like the mechanisms for <laughs> reprisal against griefers, are ways to, to punish people who are actively going against the design of the game or are throwing games or killing newbies or, or things like that. But those sorts of mechanisms are not really educational things. They're, those are sort of damage control, whereas the whole whole other realm of how do you get people who are who are not necessarily fundamentally bad people to to realize that the things that they say are are foul and, and sometimes hurtful that doesn't <laughs> totally mesh with the sorts of mechanisms that we're, we're we're talking about for controlling trolls yeah and it's also impossible to figure out where somebody is on a scale where they're either being willfully as offensive as they can be or they just Again, have a limited vocabulary of words to pull off the shelf to express what they're seeing or feeling. I'm really conflicted on this because when when Jim says you don't 
really want to just sit by and let that go and and make it a hostile environment for somebody who may be also on the chat where where this statement might be far more personal any of the words that get used than than they are to us where we're trying to be white knights uh, uh, in the abstract i agree with that that the letting it go lets it continue the flip side of that is that we're really talking about trying to perfect the crooked timber of humanity. And this is probably not the venue for doing that. There are plenty of other ways that I think our society is trying to steep most of us in sort of better ways of being. And I think a large amount of our of our popular culture does try to be, you know, people deride it as politically correct, but the, the, the notion of using the N-word in a, a movie and so forth, aside from Quentin Tarantino getting away with it, is outrageous. And I think that's fine. Yeah, and I think we can stay safely away from the slippery slope of, of thought police, you know, by drawing a bright line around certain words that just, I think we all can agree, are not, not good to use in these, you know, in these contexts. Not cool. Yeah, well, and, and this is another hard part of this is like, is what you want to do to design and create new communities that are more positive or if we have a limited amount of energy to spend, is what you want to do to try to make communities out there that are already pretty negative a little bit better or do you want to build new communities that from the get-go are designed and shaped around the fact that you want people to interact positively with each other? I mean, at, at, its, at its most simple, right? I want to go and play a game where I shoot other tanks, or I want to go and play a game where I'm killing dragons, and I want to go and play tanks and kill dragons. I don't want to be dragged into what was on TV today, if that's my choice. And it seems like right now, the fact that you're playing with other real people and interacting with them, and the fact that all this stuff, the rougher side of the human jumble, they're inseparable right now. And I think there's another way. Well, it also seems... Like, is it particular types of games where it's inseparable and other types it's more separable? Is it a particular aspect of, of military games or F- FPS games that <laughs> are, like, not worth saving? You'll still find it in World of Warcraft. You'll find obnoxious people in Baron's chat. But but we looked at Journey and we said, at the far pole, here's a game that's been designed with this in mind. I mean, you have to begin with the end in mind. Yeah, but it, it was designed by not letting you to say a word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we bracketed anti i mean i'm curious i think a lot of what drew us into games wasn't just sitting and playing single player games by ourselves right so not lately certainly what are the the qualities of the games that we play with friends you know now or or in the past that led them to be positive is it, is it just because we're playing them with friends and it's the the group of people that we're playing with or is it a quality of these like games that are not massively online and are more local i apologize that i've told this story before but i mean i think tom will vouch for this the first time we did pvp because we started out playing wow on a pvp server the first time we engaged in pvp in the open world our hearts were beating i mean we were we were sweating it was exciting in a way that Gaming, even something like Counter-Strike, well, I had the same feeling when I first played Counter-Strike. Like, these are real people. Suddenly, the whole thing got ratcheted up. And I don't feel that way anymore. 
<laughs> when I play these games. It, it also, I, I had initially played on a PvE server and then, thank you, Brian, got me onto the PvP server. And I truly disliked the other faction. In other words, in, in ways you that... You never hate them until you can get grief by them. Yeah, been Alliance before, and I was Alliance now, and I, but it was like, okay, I was never allowed to interact with the characters from the Horde side, and the NPCs would almost certainly attack me and so forth. But they, the player characters just ignored me, and I ignored them, and, and it would just wave, who cares? But once you were on a PvP server, everybody from the other faction was you could not trust them. It would be foolish to. And if especially, he waved, it was likely a trap. Right. <laughs> completely changed your view of humanity. <laughs> well, and that's also a quality of when, when I played Street Fighter Two or GoldenEye with my friends growing up. I mean, a big aspect of what made it enjoyable was, was that competitiveness that was this magical combination of competitiveness not tinged with nastiness or... Maybe a little bit of nastiness, but uh, not hurtful nastiness. <laughs> yeah, I actually think that was right for the game. That It's the world of Warcraft, and it is warring factions. I felt that was consistent. Ultimately, it was exhausting, and I didn't want to go back to it. Yeah, but for a while, it was a ride. And, and mm-hmm. speaking to your point, Jim, about Street Fighter, I'll, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say most stories that you're playing against an ai will either be like i had one one hit point left and i survived or i like i got a perfect game in the middle there's not a lot of narrative that gets developed often but when you're playing with real people whew, like suddenly these stories emerge i mean when we play tanks and stuff sometimes uh, we we like to bore each other with like oh i did this and then this happened and this guy did this and you just don't get those kinds of situations in a single player game that said while it is interesting because humans are better than any AI we know of, uh, the only social interactions I've really cared about in the games have been those that I brought groups of friends I already knew or that my friends introduced me to. I have no desire to have any real further relationship with random people uh, whose names I see in, in World of Tanks. I, I don't trust the world enough to, to to consider it that that lack of filter. But like, if if you like, if you joined a guild with forty people, you can imagine bringing friendships to the game, but actually meeting people that you talk to on a week to week basis that you could could become friends with. But that there's again like a- we had that experience with World of Warcraft. We joined up with a raiding guild, pulled through with with some friends of mine, and we got thrown in with a mix of people who. We, we hadn't met and wouldn't have met. And then the guild merged and some of the people we ended up loathing. Oh, and, well, and yeah, I, I went to hell. I, yeah. I recall ultimately guilds can be absolutely fraught. Well, we went from a situation that was people that were semi-competitive, but there was there was this attitude of trust to then the, the guild merged and it just, the whole thing disintegrated. Yeah. And that was really interesting. Yeah, that's a word. <laughs> well, it was also crappy. Well, I also, I mean, I wonder the things that we're talking about with the the visceral experiences in playing the game and the positive aspect of playing with other humans. None of them revolve around having to have world chat or <laughs> or, or group chat with people. There's this notion that that can exist. I mean, we spend so much energy trying to figure out as a games industry 
to use social cues and social anxieties and mores and values to extract money from people in games like Farmville. <laughs> and if just a fraction of that energy were diverted to making more meaningful <laughs> relationships and, and trying to encourage positive interactions, I mean, like the guys at Riot are doing, are the whole industry truly... would be better off. Yes, they are. Okay. It's, it's difficult for me to believe that you could legislate nice. Is this uh, League of Legends again? Yes, yes. By putting in the right of incentives, I mean, and, and you don't have to, it's just, I think it's one of those situations that allows the, A, the cream to rise to the top, and B, invokes a social norm with some with some heft behind it. They're still going to be griefers, but they get flagged as griefers. Yeah, I mean, I also just wonder how much of the things, the medium of things like the the chat or, you know, the anonymous anonymous voice chat or or world text chat are just superfluous and you could you could take them away and the game would just be more pleasant overall well and and the, and the question that arises right like well what if we turn off the free text chat in world of tanks is that going to affect our ability to strategize you know okay well that's a design problem like, i i don't think i have ever seen uh, a team organize itself through good commands coming through a, a text chat. For one thing, there is there is no command hierarchy, no reason for you to believe that sub, somebody who's saying, everybody go this way and so just, no, why should I listen to you? You may I hear be, you saying no, 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 no. You and may be there really are, smart, there are creative solutions that can resolve this problem. Maybe people who have some propensity for command, you know, being a commander, Sit in a command chair, you know, and get rewarded for that. Who knows? I, I mean, I, but I it's would a like design that. problem. I actually that, that uh, involves human that. nature. Uh-huh. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, rebut. I have no more. <laughs> well, to me, like one one solution might be opt in chatting with people, right? Where instead of the default being public interactions, the the default is groups of people that that you interact with and. Someone has to request to be able to talk to you. You accept that. You can revoke that. Well, th- and, th- and this gets into the sort of more gradations of social relationships where maybe the friends of my friends or the, the people on the good list of my friends' friends, can, can I can see their chat. You know, there's lots of ways to do this. There's a lot that's accomplished also just what was the – do you know the forum where it's totally anonymous but it costs like 20 bucks to get a forum name? And so if you get banned because you're a jerk, you have to spend another 20 bucks. And for some people, it's worth it. But it's a self-regulating system. It seems to me that, that perhaps the reason why we don't have these is, is a lack of imagination. I just wonder why in these environments that are known to be toxic, why more steps haven't, haven't been taken when, you know, off the top of our head, we, can, we could think of a number of different things that could improve it. What if you created a system where people could spend Smurf berries to mute a player for a day? This is again is a bad example because it it's a it's a bad example. But right. I mean, there's this knee jerk reaction to those kinds of ideas, and they're not being explored. I, right. I, I the moment you said that, I just thought of myself as fourteen year old and said, "He just had to spend so and so of his own currency to shut me up. So I'm going to do the exact same thing tomorrow and see how fast I can get somebody to spend currency to shut me up. Uh, You really need to keep in mind the slightly anarchist 
but I'm I'm not here. coming here to give you my best ideas. Right. No, I'm okay. coming here to say there are there's a field of ideas. I do yeah. want to step back a moment and, and all the way to the title of the game theory part. Fundamentally, all of these things we're talking about are not supposed to be Facebook. They're actually supposed to be entertaining games, whether you're losing yourself in a fantasy world or driving tanks around and worrying about the strategy and so forth. The chat part is generally supposed to be there to allow you to ask questions of and assist other people or maybe to try to strategize in, in a battle game. It tends to devolve because of all of the things we've talked about for the last hour to things that, that head towards a cesspool. But it isn't the reason for the game. I think there are plenty of game companies that actually, it, when they're talking to their venture capitalists, they're, they're trying to evoke all of the Facebook-like keywords to make sure they get funding. And so social is going to be used in every other word as they, they describe parts of the game. But in fact, the game is supposed to be about having fun and w whether that is shooting space aliens or finding your way through a, a fantasy world, that's what should be the, the number one thing there. And granted the that's the topic of this hour is has pretty much been player interactions with anonymous people and how they can go wrong but i very much like the notion that the the chat channels and so forth could be greatly de-emphasized where the game would have to decide to to bring us in together or or something i would love if somebody had a natural language parser system watson like could determine on the fly before the chat entries got posted that they were irrelevant. Th those would only show up to the chat channels of other people who are doing irrelevant <laughs> posts. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I actually believe that sort of technology would probably be feasible, but it would be quite exp expensive to implement. And by and large, I don't think the the game companies would fund that sort of thing or see it as as anything that as a as a real selling point. Ultimately, their selling point is how many levels, how big their virtual world is, things like that. It could be a selling point for World of Warcraft and World of Tanks. How many different tank types you have, and how many levels, and and so forth. I'm just I'm saying I'm saying that that kind of social stuff could be a selling point for World of Warcraft, especially the game that is, not the game that was. Yeah. There are so many positive aspects that we want to keep about interacting with people who are anonymous, people who are outside of the group of people that we normally play with in a competitive or a non-competitive way. As Tom, as you said, we're come to these games to to have that that gaming experience and other humans make that really interesting. I just think that, you know, we sort of need to declare bankruptcy on some of these social features and carefully reintroduce them since more often than not, they take away from the focus on those core gaming experiences. If Zynga goes extinct, that will be step one on our path to world domination. And, and I'm, I'm not sure how that relates to this, but I'm on board. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, I mean, there's the people with jobs, but yeah. Sooner or later, we always come back to, to Tom's thesis, <laughs> right, which is unassailable. But I'm with Jim. I think part of the reason why we're in this position is because there are these checkbox features. Does it have voice chat? Does it have text chat? Can you make friends? Can you ignore people? 
and there's there's no thought put into them or whether they even contribute to the game and it's a, the taking for granted that gets to me yeah and and that's why it was a pleasant surprise both to experience that multiplayer in journey and also just experience the pleasure that someone actually thought about this half of the pleasure was getting to fly around a lot more but the other half it was was like oh my god like someone did this right <laughs> because they 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 thought about how we would actually interact with each other there's all these great concepts being toyed with in card games and board games and indirect competition and massively single player and again we're in early days uh, with with the development of the, these ideas the idea that they had with spore where you'd be walking around and you'd see other people's critters just in the background that was a cool concept right yes there are lots of interesting some of those are, are of course excuses for saying oh you must be online at all times but uh. <laughs> That's the whole other beef, you know, in the news today. I mean, SimCity is social, right? <laughs> yeah. I have to uh, have my requisite shout out to the artsy fartsy folks in the Copenhagen uh, Game Collective, who I think make a few interesting indie games that involve socialness. People should go check that out. Johan Sebastian Jost was the fun one at, at PAX, but they have a few more. Now, I have to admit, I, I didn't follow this closely. Tell me about this Johann Sebastian Jeffs. So it's it's a game played entirely with PlayStation Move controllers, and oh. there's no visual aspect of it. There's music. A group of people, five or eight people, all have the, the Move controllers, and your job is basically to hold your controller as still as possible because if, if it moves around, then, then you lose. So then also make other people's controllers move around as much as possible and as the the music slows down the the controllers get more sensitive and as it speeds up they get a little bit less sensitive so you get people sort of moving in 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 slow-mo trying to hold their controller <laughs> still while their other hand messing around with other people actual their physical space and trying to hit their their controllers and then doing that in a much more rapid manner when the the music speeds up a few of the games they have you throw a bunch of people together and it's it's more like like a pickup basketball or soccer game where you're you're actually like in those people's space playing a game whose rules in involve messing with them in in certain controlled ways. <laughs> so these are random randomly associated groups, not not party games. Well, so the the Johann Sebastian Joust is it's it's more like a party game in the sense that you have to be in the physical space with with people. Right. Okay. Because party games, I and Nintendo does some some great ones, both with the Wii, and I think there's some really interesting things, even with soon to be dear departed Wii U, that are really good uses of of gameplay and and social interaction. But by definition, it's social interaction of people you already knew. But do they have the darkroom sex game? <laughs> if I would have remembered this uh, in our topic last week, that would have been awesome, but but I didn't. That's also played with the the Wii controller where there are sounds playing and I, I don't know if it's you and a partner or you and a group of people all have to uh, rhythmically move your uh, your Wii controllers <laughs> together in a uh, in a rising uh, climactic uh, motion. I'm going to give you your poll quote from the website. Our hope was to use a combination of humor and embarrassment to make players uncomfortable, yet strangely satisfied. 
And that's the great use of the social. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like we're talking a little bit about party games. It's it's sort of in the same category as as pickup guitar hero or or rock band, but to me, it seems like the games that the Copenhagen Game Collective are coming out with, they involve actually getting into other people's space and in their brains a little bit more. So that's my requisite indie shout out. So, uh, so we wrap this up? So yep. when are we going to play games together? That's the question. <laughs> when we can, whenever we can get you into tanks. It's a wonderful community. You'll love it. <laughs> this has been the Game Theory Podcast, Episode 17. Thanks for listening.